The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We will endeavor to keep you up to date with the latest information that we have from Florida because there were alarming reports this morning that are unconfirmed based upon, I think, reasonable information, but still, uh, I think, unwise to speculate, which a sheriff of a county in Florida did, that there might be hundreds of fatalities from Hurricane Ian. He based that on the fact that they have some degree of certainty with the number of people who evacuated and who did not, and then based upon the severity of Hurricane Ian and the damage that is clear today, if you look at any pictures online, on television, anywhere, uh, Hurricane Ian was what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis calls a 500-year flooding event. Florida, this particular part of Florida, is not typically in the path of hurricanes. This is the first one since 2004. And I know from my own years living in Florida in the late 1980s, hurricanes are enough of a routine phenomenon that there becomes a sort of malaise with taking them seriously. But it is inevitable that some of them need to be taken seriously. Uh, Hurricane Andrew, one of those. Hurricane Ian, one of those. Category 4, not a Category 5. Eh, no. The winds were 155 miles an hour. And if you look at the pictures of boats being tossed upon each other and docks being devastated, the inland flooding, the homes that were ravaged, the highways that are impassable, uh, it's inarguable that Florida is in a very devastated situation now. And this will give us a window into, I think, uh, one thing that's certainly not, to coin a White House phrase that was off-stated yesterday, top of mind, which we'll get to that eventually here on the Thursday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. But certainly we want to rescue the people who need rescuing. We want to get the highways passable. We want to get the power back on. We want to tend to those who uh, are in a dire situation because, let's say, they're on oxygen and the power's out and you need electricity to uh, run your oxygen tank. Many things need to be taken care of first. But I think as we look at the recovery from Hurricane Andrew in two, three months, gauging how well federal and state authorities interact, and help each other will be instructive as to whether or not we have reached a point in this country where we can, in times of emergency, set our very strong and uh, very understandable political differences aside and work together for a common cause. Now, there's no doubt that Ron DeSantis is not a fan of Joe Biden and that Joe Biden is not a fan of the Florida governor. It is quite possible that Ron DeSantis will be Joe Biden's political opponent in the 2024 presidential election. Quite possible. And so 
it is to Joe Biden's advantage to not help Ron DeSantis look any better than Ron DeSantis already looks. Ron DeSantis already looks really, really good on COVID, particularly compared to Joe Biden. Ron DeSantis wanted the schools open. Ron DeSantis' state became a haven even for people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to vacation. Because the funny thing about vacationing is you don't want to do it with a mask on if you don't need to and you don't have to. And so she went to Florida on vacation. So Ron DeSantis has a lot of things that even now, if nothing changed between now and November of 2024, he would have a perceptible advantage over Joe Biden when it comes to policy. Helping Florida dig out of a hurricane, having residents talk about what a great job Ron DeSantis did, having them extol him as a leader and as someone who already, already has exceeded what happened in and around New Orleans and the state of Louisiana on Katrina. Did you know that one of the real problems with the damage in New Orleans was that the governor and the mayor could not get people to evacuate and they were late to issue a mandatory evacuation order. And so a lot of people were left behind and then the levees game way and there was nothing they could do. Ron DeSantis had an evacuation order in place days before Ian arrived, days before Ian arrived. So if you stayed behind, I get it. Hurricane malaise. This one was going to be the big one. That one was going to be the big one. Another one was going to be the big one. None of them were the big one until the big one finally arrived. And then it's our nature to say, well, uh, it's your fault I didn't leave. No, it's your fault you didn't leave. And hopefully not too many are um, paying with their life for that prize. As the Charlotte County Sheriff uh, said today, fatalities are in the hundreds. Well, Again, excuse me, that was the Lee County, Lee County Sheriff. Uh, Lee County encompasses Corp, Cape Coral and Fort Myers. So that's where the hurricane came in. Now, we certainly hope that's not true. I think it was premature for him to say that. And I said yesterday that if the worst happens, there's no doubt in my mind that it would be pinned or at least attempted to be pinned by the left on Ron DeSantis. So, but two, three months from now? Will we be able to look back and say that the federal government provided all the high-water vehicles that Florida needed, the federal government provided, FEMA provided, all the bulldozers and track hose and big heavy equipment that they need to clear the highways? Have you seen the pictures of the roads? I mean, sand will wash off. Debris from trees and other big items that are littering the highways. There's a... There's a Causeway to Sanibel Island that's partially knocked out, a bridge to another island partially knocked out. Well, we've got an infrastructure bill, and there's lots of money. Should be able to get those things rebuilt pretty quick, right? Well, it requires federal and state cooperation, and so will that happen? Because we are going to face, we are going to face in this country at some point, a crisis where our Federal and state governments, every state, every person, the neighbor who lives next to you who has the BLM sign in their yard, the neighbor who lives next to you that can't understand why you are worried about what's going on in schools. We have political differences, stark ones, even in our own neighborhoods. But we are going to have a situation in this country at some point 
where we are all going to have to pull together. And I have wondered, and maybe you have wondered, and I haven't wondered optimistically, by the way, can we set aside, could we set aside our political differences and pull together if, if another 9-11 happened, another Pearl Harbor happened, an attack on our power grid happened, an attack on our banking system and our financial systems were held up, locked up. Could we, would we, could we? Sure, sure we could. We've done it before. It's always been the American spirit. We could. Would we? Would we? Or are we too divided? Are we too dug in? I look at the polls on the election and it is to me incomprehensible that with a president and an administration that by my account fails at every single thing it tries. It fails at every single thing it tries. It failed in Afghanistan, fails on the border, fails with the economy, fails with crime, fails in schools. It's failing everywhere. It's incomprehensible to me that the Republicans would not win every single swing state when it comes to the Senate. Oh, I get it. New York, California, New Jersey, they're always going to vote on the left side of the aisle. But it's incomprehensible to me that how can J.D. Vance in a state Donald Trump won by eight or nine points, how can J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan be even close? How can Mark Kelly in Arizona with immigration the way it is not be losing to Blake Masters? How can John Fetterman, whose cognitive abilities are certainly worthy of being questioned, be leading Dr. Oz Comfortably or semi-comfortably in Pennsylvania when we see almost virtually every single day, and we saw it again yesterday, by the way, what it's like having a leader whose brain synapses don't connect properly. I mean, Joe Biden at least has the excuse that he's almost 80 years of age. John Fetterman's excuse is what? He had a stroke? Okay, then don't run. But the people of Pennsylvania... They don't care John Fetterman can't talk for more than 10 minutes. They don't care that John Fetterman loses his trend in the middle of a sentence. They don't care that John Fetterman has a lump the size of the hunchback of Notre Dame on his deck, on his neck. They don't care. They're going to vote for him anyway. That's why I asked the question. Would we pull together if we needed to pull together? And I think the recovery, the aftermath of Hurricane Ian will give us a pretty good barometer into that because it should be self-evident that we'd pull together as a nation when people are disadvantaged, devastated by a once-in-a-generation weather event like Hurricane Ian? I mean, I'd feel sorry for California if the big one happened and there was this much devastation in California. So hopefully uh, the government won't be uh, territorial on this matter. So Hurricane Ian has now been downgraded to a tropical storm, but man, it uh, bared its fangs yesterday when it came ashore on the west coast of Florida. Uh, South Carolina, by the way, is now under a hurricane warning because the way this works is a tropical storm gathers strength over water. That's where the storm surge comes from. It comes from, it picks up the water, sucks it into Uh, It's vortex, gets over land, no more water to pick up, so it dumps it. We saw yesterday cameras in, I think it was Port Charlotte, six feet off the ground, 
water right under the camera lens. It's just water everywhere. I saw pictures in Fort Myers, a two-story hotel, and the water was up past the first floor, approaching the second floor of a two-story hotel. Just crazy. And the thing is, if you stayed and... Now you want to be rescued. Well, they can't get to they you. They can't get they to you. They can't get to you. Mm-mm. And you're without power, and hopefully you're not without food. Hopefully you're not without water. But at any rate, now this hurricane is going to go across Florida. It's tracking northeast. So it's going to go across Florida, and it's going to get out over the Atlantic Ocean, and then it's going to come back across, tack back toward the west. Charleston. So there's already been um, National Hurricane Center, the entire coast of South Carolina, now under a hurricane warning. Yeah. My man Stan headed for Myrtle Beach. No, no. Yesterday. Yeah, no. I'm like, Stan. Not a good idea. Don't go. <laughs> uh-uh. And I think he went. Hope he didn't go. Hope he's safe. My man Stan. So, uh, sustained winds are now 70 miles an hour. That's half. That's half what they were yesterday when it hit Florida. And uh, as soon as we have any kind of clarity from Florida officials, in fact, if Governor DeSantis does a live press conference, we will... Uh, take you to it so you can hear from him because this is the thing uh i used to want to live in florida because of the sun then i went to arizona and i'm like okay no arizona vastly superior to florida because a no mosquitoes (laughs) that's a big one no rain i don't like rain no rain in arizona relatively little rain and now i have a third reason no hurricanes Mm -hmm. i believe arizona is hurricane free but i get it the proximity to ohio makes uh, Florida, a much more doable destination for people. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people from here who have, they have a place in Florida or they have friends in Florida. Or the Carolinas. Sure, it's they have family too. down there. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, I understand that, you know, we're doing a show in Columbus, Ohio and Dayton, Ohio, across the western side of Ohio and the central Ohio. But I get a lot of you know people and have family and friends in Florida. So I think it's incumbent upon us to keep you updated as much as we can uh, with what is going on in the state of Florida. And Pam looked up. Mm-hmm. When Ron DeSantis declared a state of emergency, and you said it was what day? Uh, September 23rd, Ron That's, DeSantis, the governor of Florida, so declared be, a state of emergency, encouraging people to prepare. I mean, how many days before the hurricane? That hit? was five days, five days. before yeah. the hurricane, exactly. and that is per the Florida Division of Emergency Management's website. Yeah, so I think uh, Ron DeSantis was on it, even though yes. you'll hear from other people that he was not on it. So I voiced my concern in the opening block about how political this could get because, you know, the day before it hit, oh, we got the FEMA lady at the White House and we got Joe Biden calling the gay mayor of Tampa and we got Joe Biden calling the Democratic mayor of St. Petersburg and we have Joe Biden calling the moderate Republican mayor of Clearwater, but we don't have Joe Biden calling Ron DeSantis. And everybody's like, why did he call? And then he finally got around to it because people were all over his back about it. But here's Biden. And this was, when you do this and it's the second most newsworthy thing to come out of what should have been a grip and grin at the big hunger event yesterday. And you know something really bad took precedence, which we will get to. But here's Biden never, ever giving up a chance to politicize something to his advantage warning oil companies about raising gas prices in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Uncommon pattern is... Oh, that's Fox talking. I'm keeping Fox uh, up, so hold on one second. 
And we'll get Fox down. I don't even know where that person is talking from. So let me X out of Fox. All right. Now, here's Biden with his warning to oil companies on gas prices. I want to add one more warning. That's warning to the oil and gas industry executives. Do not. Let me repeat. Do not. Do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gouge the American people. Matter of fact, they should move more quickly now to bring down the price of the pump because gasoline is down. The price of gasoline is down. I just want to mention there are no refineries in Florida. A friend of mine and I were talking last night. He's a storm chaser in North Carolina preparing for it to hit North Carolina. And there are no refineries in Florida, so they cannot use that as an excuse. No, but they do have refineries out there in the Gulf. And they said that the percentage of refineries impacted by Ian, and they shut down ahead of a hurricane because, you know, obviously you're pumping this, that, and the other through your pipes and you get hit by a hurricane and you got to devastate. Well, you have to get the workers off the platforms. Yes. And it'd be a devastating climate event too, Pam, if we poured gas into the Gulf. True. So they shut it down a few refineries before this, and the daily production of those refineries is 190,000 barrels of oil a day, which is then refined into gas. Okay, so Biden is making the point it's not enough to justify raising gas prices. His comment shows a remarkable lack of savvy. How many gas stations do you think are still owned by Shell, by BP? The gas stations are not owned by them. They have been farmed out to independents and to others. And so the oil companies actually don't set the gas prices. Here's Phil Flynn of the oil producers talking about Joe Biden and his lack of uh, clarity on what actually happens with gas prices. This is political grandstanding at its worst. You know, you have people in Florida, their lives are in jeopardy, and he's trying to make a political point about the oil and gas industry. First of all, the oil companies really don't even set the price of gasoline. You know, most of the big integrated oil companies have sold their their service station. They're really owned by individual entities. So to think that the oil companies are are driving up the price, uh, it's just patently incorrect. And then you look at the the people that are risking their lives trying to provide gasoline ahead of the storm. We saw huge surges of demand. You know, people, you know, gas stations running out of gas as people tried to get gas before these storms. And, and when you start making threats against them, you know, these political heavyweights saying you better not gouge, you know, people are going to be afraid to reopen their gasoline stations because they may have to charge a higher price at some point. Uh, and, and it could really restrict supply and make things worse. Yeah, have you seen the roads in Florida? Uh, part of getting gas to market is transportation costs. Is that a little bit more difficult now? Yeah, it is. A little bit more difficult now. 